The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, June the 11th. Oh, happy anniversary to me and my lovely wife, AK. Uh, nine years today, technically. Um, because it's June 11th, we record this on Wednesday, June the 10th. You know how it works if you listen to the show. Uh, if you do listen to the show and you love the show, download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star review. If you have a question about any uh, team that's left on our All-32 series, we're going to cover the Vikings today with Arif Hassan from The Athletic. Uh, but if you have any questions about those, uh, leave them as a five-star review. Um, throughout June, we'll be connecting with great guests to cover every NFL team. And uh, today, it's the Minnesota Vikings, Arif Hassan. Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter. Arif, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. Nothing as exciting as an anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Happy anniversary <laughs> to my wife. Um, so I can't believe you decided to live with me for nine years. You're an idiot. Uh, let's get to, uh, let's get to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Dalvin Cook on a scale of one to ten. How much do you buy into the idea that Dalvin Cook is actually going to hold out? Uh, like a three? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's very likely. The Vikings haven't had to deal with very many holdouts in their history. So, and and Dalvin doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would. Well, do you? Okay, so I mean, I, I agree. I think a three is probably appropriate, if only because the CBA doesn't allow him to hold out. But do right. you think that they will find a way to make him happy before he goes into his fourth year? Um, I I don't know if that's the case. I think that you're right that like the leverage issues will come into play a little bit. Uh, too harshly against Dalvin's side just because, you know, he doesn't want to become Le'Veon Bell. Uh, and then also, like, in addition to all of that, the intense cap pressure that may or may not occur, um, in, in 2021 based off of kind of what's happening in 2020, um, that could also kind of force everybody's hand. So he's not going to be happy with whatever deal emerges out of that situation. Oh, that's a good point. And it's, it's all, it's also like not, so, so, and, and I tend to think of this, and I'm not like trying to source guess on Adam Schefter here or anything, but I tend to think of this as <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, but the uh, is like Dalvin's agent goes to the Vikings, is like, "Hey, look, McCaffrey got paid. You know, we we would like to get paid as well." And the Vikings are like, "No offense, you have 28 career games or 29 career games or whatever it is." And uh, so no, and then you leak out Dalvin is thinking about holding out, even though he's probably not thinking about holding out. It's more like. You're just trying to make the negotiations a little bit public. But to your point about the cap space, um, not only is it problematic for him, well, f- there's no fifth year option here, but they can franchise tag him. But like, it, let's say he gets to unrestricted free agency after his fourth year. I, I mean, they're not, like teams are not going to be out there making it, making it rain on running backs with injury histories. If the cap, if the cap shrinks that much. Yeah, and, and it's not like uh, a, a quarterback, not just from a value perspective, but if a quarterback is injured for the first two seasons of his career, first three seasons of his career, and then puts together two healthy seasons at really high-level play, people will shell it out. They're, they don't think of quarterback as 
an intensely injury-prone position, unless you're like Michael Vick or something. Um, but for, for Devlin Cook, I mean, he plays a position where that injury history really matters, I think, a lot more. So even if, you know, running back was as important as quarterback, which is like another sort of huge issue for, for Cook, um, you you have that issue with the, that injury history carries with you. And, you know, the fact that running backs just don't uh, last as long in the NFL, that's going to be a big part of it. And, and you're right. You know, he's only at 28 career games. Who knows how many games he's going to have this season. Um, I'm confident that the Vikings will get a deal done kind of before that. I don't think that that's necessarily wise just because of that injury thing. But, yeah, I, I don't see Cook's market as being kind of very remarkable. So I, I don't know kind of where a lot of his leverage would come from, except for the fact that the Vikings do very much believe that the offense kind of runs through him. I just I don't know how much they're willing to commit that belief. If I were Dalvin, what I would do is go to the Vikings and be like, look, let's figure out some deal to get me to what uh, – I'm trying, just trying to think with the, what Derrick Henry uh, – so like, because okay, here I guess my yeah, point is it's a one-year, ten point two million dollar deal for Derrick Henry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I would go to the Vikings and be like, "Look, why don't we do a two two-year, twelve million dollar deal?" And that doesn't sound like a lot if you're Dalvin Cook, but if the cat does shrink in twenty twenty-one, they're gonna and they tag him, it's gonna be like eight million dollars or you know whatever. It is. Like, because I mean, you're you're not gonna. It's just not gonna be. It's not gonna go up exponentially unless a bunch of running backs get paid. So I might be willing to take $12 million guaranteed over two years, knowing that I'm just buying out the franchise tag and I can get to free agency after that if I'm Dalvin Cook. So, and I would presume the Vikings would at least be willing to, you know, not deal with this, uh, moving forward. Um, when you, uh, when you look at that offense, I mean, look, Kirk Cousins threw the ball 444 times last year. <laughs> Yeah, if, if it wasn't for the fact that the Ravens had this all-world running quarterback, I mean, the Vikings would just have been, you know, the most run. And in a league where the Seahawks exist, I, I think that's just remarkable that the Vikings can credibly challenge for the throne of the most run-heavy team in the NFL in a world without, like, you know, the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, they they don't um, throw the ball very often. But, you know, new offensive coordinator, who knows what the world looks like? Yeah, I mean— uh, although Gary Kubiak, I mean, Gary Kubiak had Matt Schaub lead the league in passing yards and passing attempts one year with Houston, which sounds, when you say it out loud, pretty <laughs> insane, right? Um, it was a Pro Bowl year, though, right? I mean, that that can't have been too uh, – I don't know which Schaub we're talking about, actually. So it no, could have been a – Matt, pick six, Max Schaub. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, the, that guy, it was before he, he – I mean, he had a great – he had a great year, but he was all – it was just – he was doing all these boots. You know, he was just running bootlegs and throwing to Andre Johnson and Owen Daniels and – um, and so like, do you, do you think we see a, a more aggressive offense or is Mike Zimmer's thumb, the, the pressure of the, the presence of Mike Zimmer and, and, and his thumbprint on this offense just too great for them to actually start to open it up a little bit? It's great that yeah, I just finished writing up something that's going to be published, I think, probably the day this episode goes live, cool. uh, about, about this very thing. So Kubiak throws the ball, I think, a little bit more than people, um, are, are, right. Think it's because, you know, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, Matt Schaub threw the ball a ton under Kubiak, but I mean, yeah, a lot of people think of him as this kind of wide zone play action guy, but I mean, they do throw the ball a, a fair amount. And even if you get outside of the Houston Texans years, I mean, with the Ravens, one year of Peyton Manning, but like not a great Peyton Manning with the Broncos, and then the next year, the Broncos, uh, they threw the ball a fair amount after you adjust for like, 
um, you know, score differential and stuff like that that you need to do. And so I would expect the Vikings to pass the ball a little bit more. And then with Zimmer, I mean, Stefanski was a first-year coordinator that just saw the last guy get fired for yeah. not running the ball a ton. I don't like. I don't think Zimmer is going to be able to kind of. Um, press the thumb down on, on Kubiak. Nor do I think that he, that he wants to. I think the reason Kubiak is there is because Zimmer trusts him. But I think with first year coordinators, I think Zimmer has maybe a little bit more latitude to kind of, to bully them around. Plus, I mean, what, what happens if you fire Kubiak? He makes a million dollars somewhere else. So, you know, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. It's like, and I, I think that this is part of, probably part of Mike Zimmer is that he is just going to be more willing to trust somebody who's a veteran coach that he's worked with for a while that sort of, operates the same philosophy like Gary Kubiak's not trying to be like here's what we're going to do we're going to pass on our first 44 plays of the of the of the of the game you know he, but he's like listen here's the game plan we want it to we want to flow off of play action and give us some looks down the field um do you, so with that in mind do you think that the loss of Stefan Diggs how how big of an impact does that have on this offense and and what they want to do I, I tend to think given the two tight end presence given how much that you know they want to run that, you know, that, that 12 personnel, given that Adam Thielen is, is a fantastic route runner and a play action receiver, that it might not be quite as bad as people think. And they added Justin Jefferson, too. Yeah, I mean, well, Thielen missed eight games last year, right? Sure. And so when you're, when you're trying to compare the two offenses to each other, um, you have to kind of think actually that Thielen might be the one replacing Diggs' production, and then Justin Jefferson will be replacing. BC Johnson and Chad Peavy and, you know, the, the gamut of receivers that they had at, at, at second receiver, but for a while at third receiver. And then Irv Smith develops. And I think that, you know, he's shown, uh, quite a bit in, in his short career with the Vikings for him to kind of deserve a lot more targets. The Vikings actually had the fewest number of snaps in three receiver sets in the NFL last year by like a significant margin. <laughs> and like the, the teams above them, like Philadelphia was not filled with receiver talent or anything like that. Greg but, Ward Jr. was catching passes. Right. The former Houston, the Houston quarterback. quarterback. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, it, it's um, – so I expect them to actually increase the three receiver sets just because they ranked 32nd, and that was like a, a 27% of their snaps were three receiver, and then Philadelphia's at 45. It's a huge gap, right? So they're going to increase the three receiver sets just as a matter of course. So we are probably going to see not just Justin Jefferson but another player come in, and it would have been really nice – for Stephon Diggs to uh, to play, but I think you're probably just going to see better passing yardage just from the fact that there's going to be more receivers on the field, period, even if they're not going to be as good as, you know, the two tight ends that you have. Um, but, yeah, I think that you're right that, you know, the development of Irv Smith, you still got Kyle Rudolph, so you've got a good two tight end set. Justin Jefferson, first-rounder, um, who they do like on the outside. I mean, he played entirely in the slot last year, but the year before he was played on the outside a lot. Yeah. Um, I I think that they, they kind of like what they have, plus – I. I kind of dismiss BC Johnson a lot, but what he did is truly impressive. I think the second youngest receiver in the draft, seventh round pick gets 300 yards. How many seventh round picks get 300 yards the rookie year? Most of them get cut. Uh, and so there's, there's room for development there. Plus they, you know, they signed Tajay Sharp, Chad Beebe's healthy again. So there is some opportunity for that third receiver to kind of show up. That, the, I don't want to understate the loss of Stephon Diggs. He was a truly spectacular receiver, especially when you account for the fact that the Vikings threw the ball 446 times. Um, and he still got a thousand yards. Uh, so that's going to be difficult to replace. I think Thielen's really great. For a while, I thought they were relatively equivalent. I thought Diggs was a little bit better, but he really turned it on last year. That's just going to be difficult. And so I think the passing game is just going to take a step back. But I just don't think it's going to be that big because you get Thielen back, hopefully for all 16, and, you know, some of those eight games that he was back, you know, he was still not fully healthy. So you're going to get a fully healthy Thielen in theory. You're going to have Justin Jefferson. So there's going to be 
um, some mitigation to that loss. I think it's still a loss, but it, it's going to be mitigated. Uh, all right. The offense looks like it could be taking a step forward. Could the defense be taking a step back? We will take a quick break, and when we come back, we will discuss that. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, so the Vikings uh, under Mike Zimmer, known for defense. Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is not afraid of his brand. <laughs> no, he absolutely is. He leans into it, I think. He doesn't shy, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't shy away from it. He dives head first into it like it's a 10-foot pool, yeah. Uh, but yet, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the thing that he's always wanted to be known for. It's why he still hasn't let anyone else call plays for him. That, that's a good point. And, I mean, like, I, I think, too, part of that is probably because it took him so long to get a head coaching job. And like you saw that with Vic Fangio to a degree as well. You know, he's like, I, I can't be in the booth because I'm the head coach, but I'm calling the plays. Like these guys who have run defense for so long, you know, you finally get the opportunity. You're like, I'm not giving some like jabroni up in the booth or like, I'm not giving some guy <laughs> the opportunity to call defensive plays when it took me 20 years to get this job. Like I am calling my plays. Um, and Zimmer, Zim's a, st- a stubborn guy, but he's a great football mind. Uh, but I wonder. What do you think of all the attrition on the defensive side of the ball? I don't, I, I personally don't, I, I mean, I, they lost a lot of guys and particularly in the secondary. I don't think it's as bad as maybe the public perception laid it out to be though. It, it's going to be an interesting kind of development to track. So when you take a look at, at what the analytics guys have to say, especially PFF, but if you take a look at, you know, what you see at football outsiders or whatever, uh, from year to year defense is just not, that sustainable. It's just not that persistent. If you've got a top five defense one year, you're almost uh, certainly not going to get a top five defense again. Um, and if you do it two years in a row, you're probably not going to get it three years in a row. Um, but the Vikings have been very resistant to this, you know, quote unquote rule. Um, they've had a top five defense for the past, I think in points allowed per drive, uh, for the past, even last year, which, I mean, it was a really poor year defensively, it seemed like, but they seemingly turned it around uh, for the past five years, which just doesn't happen. And one of the reasons they were able to do it is, A, they were able to keep their play caller because he was the head coach, but B, they had this remarkable uh, consistency among their starters. I think every year you'd see 10 or 9 of the same starters uh, from the previous year. Uh, and and when you saw someone replaced, it was like Andrew Sandeo got replaced by Anthony Harris. Wow, that's an upgrade. Holy crap. It's great. Uh, And so... Uh, really the only revolving door has been at like three technique, honestly. Uh, and then you replace Brian Robeson with Daniel Hall. So they haven't had a ton of, 
uh, change. You know, and the benefit to that is that you don't have to teach your defense every year, so you just add new wrinkles, and, and it became one of the most complex defenses in the NFL. So now you've got essentially three new starting corners, one who uh, has been on the team before, but one, I don't know who the other, who the third corner is going to be. It could be Holton Hill, it could be Chris Boyd, it could be Cameron Dantzler, but you've got your first round pick, you've got Mike Hughes' first round pick from two years ago, uh, and uh, those, those players are going to be the starters, and, and you've lost kind of that secondary. Now, losing Xavier Rhodes is not like a huge deal, obviously. I mean, the team was kind of... Sort of, they, an, I mean, they, sort of an upgrade. I mean, Right, yeah. It's it's unlikely that Mike Hughes is going to be a downgrade over that. But, you know, Trey Wayne's played well enough, and Mackenzie Alexander put, to, put together his best year. Uh, and so that's a huge concern. Um, I don't really know what they're going to do there. Uh, and, and that's kind of where the complexity of the defense was in that back end. And so they're going to have to probably call simpler plays just because they've got a younger core there. And that's, I think, kind of where we might see that kind of regression. Because I think that you're right when you take a look at the talent. Um, maybe they downgraded with Everson Griffin, although clearly his age showed because he fell off halfway through the season for the Vikings. Um, but, you know, maybe you've got an upgrade internally with someone like Afadi Adenabo. Uh, I don't know. But that secondary, on paper, probably an upgrade over Wayne's Alexander Rhodes just because Rhodes was just such a huge negative. Uh, but the way that defense is going to be called might be a lot different. So sure. to me, there's a lot of uncertainty there. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that defense to stay, you know, top seven-ish. But there's a lot of ability for it to kind of just drop if like if the i think the, the the big concern for me is like if the pass rush falls off substantially you don't have i mean you do look you got anthony harrison harrison smith back there and hughes maybe takes a leap but like you don't feel like you have this lockdown secondary that you might have had in years past to make up for potentially a lack of pass rush right yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and coverage is just this, it's this crazy game where it's just weakest link because the offense gets to choose who they attack, right? And so whoever, a, a good quarterback at least will determine kind of whoever has busted the coverage and then they'll attack that. And so if you've got a persistent weak link, it almost doesn't matter how good the other guy is. Now that's not quite true, but it almost is true, right? Where, uh, if Mike Hughes takes that leap, maybe he plays at a near Pro Bowl level, which would be a pretty optimistic leap, but let's say that happens. But Gladney plays like a rookie cornerback does in his Zimmer system, then you're going to see penalties, you're going to see big plays, and, you know, whoever the number two receiver is for whatever team is, is probably going to go off without, you know, some kind of bracketing or doubling with Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith, and then you kind of lose your blitzing opportunities, and there's like a, a cascade effect. And so, yeah, it's, it's, Gonna, it's gonna be really tough. I mean, the Vikings, like you said, have really trusted that, that secondary to really, I think it helped the pass rush more than the other way around, despite how talented Griffin and Hunter are. I think that the way that that coverage, especially in 2017, the way that that coverage operated, just made it so difficult for quarterbacks to get rid of the ball quickly enough to, to mitigate kind of what was happening up front. So without that, it's, it's gonna be really tough. Okay, so, I think, I don't think, I mean, I think the NFC North largely, I don't think anybody this offseason got substantially better. I would, I would say that the, that the Vikings and the, like the Vikings Packers, basically I think everybody kind of treaded water or just didn't make a great move. Uh, what is a good season for the Minnesota Vikings? That's, I think you, that's, it's tough because of that, because I've been, I was really underwhelmed by the Vikings offseason. Then I see the Packers offseason and, and I, and I think, 
Well, at least you know. <laughs> that didn't happen. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 the Bears, I they didn't really have a ton of opportunities to improve, and so they didn't take many opportunities to improve. So like that's fine. The Lions got better just by virtue of the fact that Matthew Stafford's healthy. So that is weirdly, I think, the concern. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. The Vikings, they I I look at that offseason in a vacuum and I say maybe this team has regressed back down to nine wins possibly eight, depending on kind of what happens to the defense and the offensive line. Uh, and so that's a concern. But, I mean, you know, they're not going to throw both, you know, Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. Out. The, the Packers did not take a ton of opportunities to get better. And it's not like their first-round pick from last year is really threatening to make waves. And so did the Packers get better? Eh, probably not. They do seem to have the Vikings number. But I think with a different offensive coordinator, um, I mean, the Packers, the, the way they shut down the Vikings was just crazy simple. They just didn't bite on the run, and they just dove on play action, and that ended it, both games. It's like a, uh, like a, it's like a Madden strategy. Like, I'm just yeah, like, it was. Like, it was I'm, just, not, I'm not going to load up the box, and I'm going to blitz. And if you and if you, if you run play action, Kirk Cousins is just not going to have any time. Like, that's, I mean, you know, like, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was the simplest strategy, and the 49ers were like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And, and that was it. Um, and so if the Vikings have a response to that, which I think with Kubiak, who has been a play action guru his whole life, I think he's been, he's kind of heard of that strategy, you know, then the Packers are not as much of a threat. Uh, and so you could say maybe they're a nine win team or a 10 win team, and maybe that's all it takes to win this division. Um, which would be, you know, frustrating and annoying because I like watching, you know, good football, but, um, yeah, I, the Vikings in a vacuum seem like a nine-win team, but just given how this division shook out, and I, I expect the Vikings to do better against the Bears next year than they did this year. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, maybe they're a ten-win team, but certainly not one I'd be confident Arif. in. Arif, uh, thank you so much. Awesome Vikings talk. Uh, make sure and uh, read his work at the Athletic and check him out on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL uh, on the social medias. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me.